ask you. But for me, this year has screamed by. I mean, we are staring at 2018 in the face, and I just can't believe it. It's crazy. But we do have a few weeks. We do have a few weeks. We have the Christmas season to navigate first. And before it gets out of hand, if it hasn't already, that's what I want to talk to us about it today, this morning. What are you going to do with this season? What are you going to do with Christmas? Will the next month be consumed by commercialism? Will you run around like a crazy person trying to find the perfect gift for every single person on your list? Probably. Because that's what everybody else is going to do, right? That's what our culture demands. And there's nothing wrong. Come on, there's nothing wrong with celebrating and having a good time, having parties being with friends, being with family, and celebrating together. But the real question is, will we allow our American version of Christmas to crowd out the real meaning? There's no mystery to that. We know what that is, don't we? We know who that is. There's no mystery there. We know what it's supposed to be about and who it's supposed to be about. This is the first Sunday of Advent. The four Sundays leading up to Christmas. The word Advent simply means the expectation of something to come. It could be the advent of spring or the advent of fall. Originally, Advent was the second about the second coming of Jesus. And actually, the song that I just quoted, Joy to the World, that was actually about the second coming of Jesus. And in the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church began to use it for Christmas and to celebrate Christmas, and that's fine. Our Advent season here at New Life is going to be very ex exciting and special. Of course, today was going to be a sermon about the Christmas story. Next Sunday, as they said, is going to be our children's program. And let me just throw out a pastoral challenge to you. I know the temptation. If you don't have a child or a grandchild that's in the program, it's like, oh, that's my Sunday to skip. I can, I can skip. Don't do that. I know that's what you were thinking. Don't do that. You're going to rob yourself. And listen, we, we, we say this all the time. We're a family. Would you skip out on your... Oh, better not ask that. <laughs> Let me back up. <laughs> Don't skip out on these kids. Come and support our children. Come and support Pastor Brian. They've been working hard. And I promise you, you will be blessed by next Sunday morning. You will enjoy that very much. The following week after that is going to be our Christmas worship Concert, And I say worship concert because we're not just going to sit on our rear ends and watch Pastor Dan and the worship team sing. We're going to participate. We're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together in that worship concert on the 17th. And then our, uh, the final Sunday of Advent is Christmas Eve. We're going to have our normal 930 and 1115 services that day. And those are going to be very special. We're going to do candlelight services. We're going to have communion together. We're going to have different elements that I'm not going to give away that you don't want to miss in that service. Make sure you're here with your family. Hey, and listen, also, in each of these services, in some form or fashion, the gospel will be preached. The gospel message will go forth. What a great opportunity to invite friends and family who may not know the Lord to these services. They're going to be evangelistic in nature. Did you know that Christmas and Easter, it is proven, 
Christmas and Easter, and you invite people, 80% of the time in those seasons, they will say yes. 80% proven. So invite somebody to these services, and I know you're going to be blessed. All right, today I want to talk to us about the Christmas journey. The Christmas journey. Now, the original Christmas story includes several journeys. Of course, the arduous journey of Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Ladies, think about being nine months pregnant in that time period. About a week-long situation of, of, of rough travel on the back of a, of a donkey or something like that. Oh, my word. At risk to your life with thieves and robbers on the road. Not an easy journey. And then, of course, the long, long journey months and even even a, a year or more long of the wise men from the east to find and worship the newborn king as they were being led by God, the star of Bethlehem. And even the little short trek of the shepherds that they made, they're out there minding their own business, tending the sheep, and suddenly angels appear to them. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. The Savior has been born to you in Bethlehem. And they get up and go and journey and find him to worship. But it wasn't just physical journeys that took place. All of these people had spiritual journeys, all of them. Spiritual journeys that ended in surrender in the presence of the king. Hallelujah. We are all on a journey. But this time of the year, instead of slowing down to enjoy and experience the richness of this Advent season, what happens? Instead, we speed up and blow right by everything that's important. We wake up in January wondering what just happened to December. What happened to Christmas? I don't even remember anything but my nephew crying about the gift that I got him. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So let us at least, my goal today, let's at least begin on the right path. Let's begin today with the right focus. And we're going to look again at the Christmas story that we think we know so well, right? We, all, we got it memorized. We got it all the details. There's nothing new, Pastor. Come on, I've been doing Christmas for a long time. I've been hearing Christmas messages for a long time. There's nothing you can possibly tell me that I haven't heard. We'll see. We'll see. The Gospel of Matthew begins with a genealogy. You know that fun thing, that real long list of ancestors that you skip? Come on, those of you who read every day, that's the part you go, and then, oh yeah, and then skip down because it's kind of boring. It's just this person begat this person, this person's this son, da 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 da, da and it's really long. And I know, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to make you hear, listen to all of it because it is, it's tedious. But the meaning behind the genealogy is profound and extremely important to our faith and extremely important to the Christmas story. So we're going to pick up right after the genealogy. We're going to talk about it in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 17. I'm in the New Living Translation on the screen. 
All those listed above, talking about the genealogy, include 14 generations from Abraham to David, and then 14 from David to the Babylonian exile. Time out. What's that, Pastor? That happened in 586 B.C., so almost 600 years before Jesus was born. Nebuchadnezzar, you recognize that name? King Nebuchadnezzar came in from Babylon, destroyed everything in Jerusalem, burnt down the temple, destroyed the walls. That's when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and David, I mean David, Daniel were taken from there. And, and all of these hundreds of people taken into exile, many slaughtered, many killed. So that's what he's talking about. And then 14 generations from Bab the Babylonian exile then to the birth of Christ, the Messiah. Now, Matthew, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? The four Gospels, they're all accounts of Jesus Christ in different angles, different people writing. Matthew was writing to the Jewish audience. So he wanted to make sure that they knew that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. If he wasn't a descendant of Abraham, everything, all bets are off. Had to be, and then even more importantly, a son of David in the lineage and the tribe of Judah, because that was a key prophecy for the coming Messiah. Now, I know I'm teaching right now, but this is good information. I got one yes. All right, that's all right. At the time of Jesus' birth, listen to this now 400 years had passed since the last time God had spoken. 400, think about that in terms of our date, our calendar, the 1600s. Can you imagine God not speaking? The last time God speaking being in the 1600s. Jesus entered a period of history when God had been silent. Has God ever been silent in your life? Maybe he's, you feel like he's silent right now. I think he's about to speak to your heart because hope is always coming. And sometimes he speaks loudest when he says nothing. 400 years of silence. The, 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 the Israel was, in a, it was in under Roman occupation when Jesus was born. Slavery, immorality, injustice, the rules of the day. It was a dark period in history. And hope was scarce. Now, the genealogy itself covered 2,000 years. Now, I think it's interesting because it's been 2,000 years now since Jesus was on earth. So think about how long that is and how long that genealogy would have gone back all the way uh, to Abraham. And it included this genealogy, this lineage, this list of people included every type of human imaginable. There were heroes of the faith like Abraham, Isaac, Ruth, and David. But there were also evil men, like King Manasseh, who sacrificed his own children in the fire. King Abijah. But you know what? There were a ton of just ordinary people that we would not even recognize their names. People like you and people like me. And there were four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Now, two of these ladies were prostitutes. Two of them were not even Jews at all. The message from, Jesus, from God is very clear by this genealogy. Listen to me. Jesus came to be a savior to all people. 
all walks of life, Jews, Gentiles, men, women, boys and girls, red, yellow, black and white, rich and poor, extraordinary people and ordinary people. Jesus came as a Savior to them all, and we all are in need of his grace and his mercy. Come on. Hallelujah. Now, when we look at this genealogy, it reminds us that no matter what the sin or how bad the circumstance or the situation becomes, the salvation plan of God has never failed and it never will. Look at the screen. The Christmas journey is not plan B. The Christmas journey is not plan B. When Adam and Eve messed up in the Garden of Eden and, Eden and sinned, God wasn't in heaven going, wringing his hands and nervous. Like, what just happened? I can't believe this just happened. No, in Revelation 13, 8 declares that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus knew exactly what was happening. His coming was not plan B. It was God's salvation plan, the beginning in that story. Listen, that story continues to unfold even in the worst of times, even in the worst of your life and the worst of my life. The good news of the gospel is that you and I are invited into the journey. We are invited to play an important role in that story. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Everybody say righteous man. Righteous man. And did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. Uh, Kathy preached at Father's Day last year about Joseph and got a lot more information than I knew was even out there. She does a great job with that. Matthew really is the only gospel that gives us much information at all. But tradition and culture would say he was much older than Mary and that this marriage would have been arranged by their families. He was a carpenter by trade and would have lived a very simple and humble life, which is a nice way of saying they were poor, okay? They were poor. Now, Mary was found to be pregnant during the engagement period. Now, their engagement period was much more serious than ours. It was, it was a contract. It was much more, uh, uh, it was almost, it was very binding. It was almost like they were already married, but they would not consummate the marriage. So this is extremely serious. She, she turned up you know, pregnant during that engagement period. And Joseph, of course, knew it wasn't him, that he wasn't the father. So according to the law, Joseph could have publicly humiliated her and even had her stoned to death. But he didn't. Everybody say he didn't. He didn't because Joseph was a righteous man and not just a religious man man. If he had been a religious man, Mary would have been a goner. Come on, somebody. Righteous people, listen to me, righteous people have a relationship with God by faith, and it leads to life. Religious people have a set of rules and regulations that are more important than anything else, and that always leads to death. Religion kills, relationship heals. Say that with me. Religion kills, relationship heals. Always has 
and always will. Look at the screen. The Christmas journey is about a relationship with Jesus, not the religion of men. This thing is about a relationship with Jesus. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon today, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not through your parents or your grandparents or the church. Church can't do it for you. You need a personal, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion won't do it for you. Verse 20. As he considered this, Joseph, what about what to do with Mary? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Everybody say that. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth or have a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now listen to me carefully. The virgin birth is not a fairy tale. It is not an add-on to the story. It's not something you can discard and say, well, that's, 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 yeah, that's metaphorical. No. Jesus was fully God and fully human. He was fully God because it was the power of the Holy Spirit that Mary became pregnant and he was fully human because he was born of a woman. You cannot discard the virgin birth. It is foundational. You hear me? It is foundational. I don't care what the smart people tell you. They're outsmarting themselves. I don't care what liberal theologians tell you. You cannot discard that doctrine. Because, because he is fully human, he can identify with our experiences and our struggles. But because he is fully God, he has the authority to deliver us from sin. Now, when he found out about Mary... Joseph initially thought he had two options, break the engagement quietly or have her publicly humiliated, which is what he would be expected to do by the law. But here's the thing with God. Everybody look at me. God always brings a better option. Come on, somebody. God always brings a better option. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. You think you've only got one or two things that you can do, but God is not limited by what you can do. He's not limited by what you can see. He is supernatural. He is not natural. He is not limited. His options now may not seem prudent at the time. We may not understand them. But they are always better, and they are always right. Now, Joseph would have had to carry the stigma of marrying a girl who was already pregnant. He knew the truth eventually. She, of course, knew the truth. But how many other people do you think believe their story? Come on, let's be real. I mean, can you imagine being Joseph and on the job, and they're hammering nails, and he's got his buddy here, and he says, hey, um, you know, the girl that I'm marrying? Yeah. She's pregnant. The other guy stops. Oh, dude. And then he's like, and um, it's not mine. Oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Oh, man. And, and then he's like, no, wait. Um, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Dude, what? Come on. For real. 
Sometimes, you need to hear me, sometimes God will ask you to do hard things that don't make much sense to anyone else, but he has a plan. You will not know all of the plan. You will not see all of the plan. You will only see a piece of the plan. Now, I definitely don't want to try to compare myself to Joseph's situation at all, but when we, our family left pathway, it made no, or the church we were at previously, made no sense. No sense. We had a great salary. We were a part of that community. We had been there for six years. The, the, we, we were well-liked at the church. The girls were thriving in school and in church, involved. It was a great church. All this stuff, it made no sense. But God. But God. But God. And it's the same in your life. Look at the screen. The Christmas journey is always the right path, but rarely the easiest. It's always the right path, but rarely is it easy. The angels said, do not be afraid. I think that's funny because that's all they were thinking. Come on. That's all they were feeling was fear. The angels said, do not be afraid. Well, of course they're afraid because Joseph's whole life is on the line. His character, his reputation is on the line. Mary's very life is on the line. Of course, they were fearful. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Folks, we cannot allow fear to dictate our lives. We cannot allow fear to keep us from the calling of God on our life. I'm certain that they were afraid. But they made the hard decisions anyway. And look at the blessing. What will we miss if we allow fear to dictate our decisions? Verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's actually Isaiah 7:14. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. And because he fulfills this prophecy in Isaiah, we also call him Emmanuel, God with us. Aren't you thankful we have a Savior who was willing to leave the throne of heaven and come down and be God with us? Emmanuel. Give him praise this morning. He is Emmanuel. Jesus left his place in heaven to come to earth. Why? Because he came to save us, because we could not save ourselves. No matter how good you are, no matter how many people you help, no matter how many good deeds you do, no matter how often you come to church, no matter how much you put into the offering, you cannot save yourself. And I can't save myself. No matter how good you are, you cannot remedy the sin problem in your life. Only Jesus can do that. Everybody say, only Jesus. Say it again. Only Jesus. He is our Savior. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, no doubt to the disappointment of his family, Joseph did the hard thing. He made the tough choice 
and was obedient to the command of God. He took Mary as his wife. May look at me. Sometimes we avoid doing what is right because of what others might think. Sometimes we avoid doing what is right because of what others might think. Look at the screen. Part of the Christmas journey is learning to seek the approval of God and not people. Part of the Christmas journey is learning to seek the approval of God, not people. If you have the approval of God, it's nice to have everybody on your side and have everybody rooting for you and have everybody cheering and clapping, but that's just, I don't see a whole lot of that in the Word. It was always tough going for these guys. They were always swimming upstream, but they had God on their side. Come on, hallelujah. <laughs> this Christmas season, let's seek the approval of God and not people. Matthew, now we're skipping to Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men or magi from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Dangerous question. They had no idea what they were stirring up. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod, also, if you've studied history, known as Herod the Great, he was a powerful, smart, but extremely paranoid and ruthless leader. He was so paranoid that he had his own kids and wife executed because he was worried they were going to try to take his throne. And it was that same, listen, it was that same paranoia that led to him killing and murdering the little boys in Bethlehem. Now, we don't know much about these magi or wise men, except they, scholars believe they were probably from Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, and they were on a mission from God. God had showed them by the star and by these things, and they were on a mission from God. They were looking for Jesus Christ. Verse 3, listen to this. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, when he, they started talking about the king of the Jews being born. He was the king of the Jews, he thought. And when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, the presence of Jesus, God in the flesh, disturbed the entire city. Everybody look at me. Nothing has changed. The name and the presence of Jesus still makes a whole lot of people nervous. Look at the screen. The Christmas journey brings peace to those who are seeking Christ, but disturbs those who reject God and his word. The Christmas journey brings peace to those of us who are seeking to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, seeking hope, seeking peace but it disturbs those who have rejected God's word and rejected even the existence of God. Nothing has changed. Verse 4, Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? 
in Bethlehem in Judea, ding, ding, oh, okay, we got one connection there. For this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Now, Bethlehem is a small place, seemingly insignificant, but because of this prophecy and because of what happened, it's a center point to our religion, to our Christianity. It's It's huge. I can't wait until the group that goes this spring gets to go and stay in Bethlehem. Now, Joseph was of the lineage of David, and Bethlehem is is, is the city of David. So he and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem every year to answer a Roman census. That's why they had to travel while she was nine months pregnant. They had to go. They had no choice. But it was all part of God's plan. Verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting, lots of meetings going on, with the wise men. And he learned from them that the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Of course, that's a lie. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It was ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. When we seek the king, when we go after Jesus with our whole heart, it doesn't matter what hell is breaking out around us, we will be filled with joy. Two weeks ago, we preached about limitless joy. As long as your eyes are focused on him, as long as you're going after Jesus, it doesn't matter the hell going around you. God will give you joy to overcome because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I don't want to mess up your nativity scene. (laughs) But this would have been a, a year to two years after he was born that the wise men actually arrived and were there. Sorry about that. It's okay. Put your nativity scene. Don't take the wise men out. It's fine. All right. All right, I'm I'm beginning to close. The wise men, listen, listen. The wise men were seeking a king. They traveled hundreds of miles in the most difficult terrain and culture we can imagine to find Jesus. And when they found him, they responded to him with joy. They responded with worship. They they responded with extravagant and expensive gifts. What an example for us to follow this Christmas. And can I say just how different is our Christianity today? Listen, so often we want God to search for us. We want God to lavish gifts on us. We want God to explain himself when we disagree with him to us. Folks, I'm right here with you in this. To a large degree, we have made Christmas, we have made Christianity about us and not him. But... 
Look at the screen. The Christmas journey is still about seeking and worshiping Jesus, not for what we can get, but for who he is. For who he is. Next slide, please. The Christmas journey is still about seeking and worshiping Jesus, not for what we can get, but for who he is. Now, in the spirit of Christmas, I'm going to share a story with you about my, one of my favorite Christmases and one of my favorite of all time Christmas presents. How many remember your favorite Christmas present? Raise your hand. Can you, right off the top of your head, can you remember it? Hold on. I bet I can beat it to some of you. Not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> now listen, some of you don't know what this is, and I'm very angry at that. I flew this, I flew this into Pastor Cody's office. I, hey, by the way, I drove all the way to Chatsworth, Georgia, to meet my mother, came halfway from her home in Tennessee to get these gifts so that I could do this this morning because she still had them. But I flew, I got it, I was so excited. I flew this into Cody's office and she looked at me and she said, what is that? And then she, and then she said, is that a statue? And I, my heart, so I just, I, I just flew, I couldn't say anything. I flew it out and down the hall to my children's pastor, Pastor Brian, and I was praying as I went. And I went in, and he squealed with joy, and my heart leapt within me because I knew I had made a great choice for our children because he knew what it was. This is the 1979 original Millennium Falcon. Yep. Okay, Rodaline's already kind of showed you, but let me show you my second favorite gift, Okay. She got it, yeah. Who knows what this is? This is the AT-AT. Okay. I'm so excited. Y'all don't know, when I, when, when I met her and I started going through this box that she's had for, well, a few years, and, and I started going through it and I'm playing with it. <laughs> it was so fun. I was going to do it some more. But anyway, actually, if these were in the box in mint condition, I would have a new car. Y'all understand that, right? They're still worth a lot as is, but I'm still playing with them, so I'm not going to sell them yet. <laughs> so, let's talk. Pastor, are you going to use a sermon illustration with Star Wars? Yes, I am. When you get to preach, you can use My Little Pony or whatever you want to do. That's fine. <laughs> Today it's Star Wars. And hey, two weeks, there's a new movie coming out. Yeah. So well, let me see again. How many knew who, what these were? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. They're still good, some good people. So let's talk about these. Now, the Millennium Falcon travels at light speed. Wouldn't that be amazing? Never have to go on Georgia 400 again or 285. 
or 574. Wouldn't that be just, yeah, I know Debbie's excited about that. She drives it every single day. That would be awesome, light speed. But it's, it's fun to think about, but as of right now, it's not possible. It's not reality. Although our Christmas season feels that way, doesn't it? Like light speed, crazy. Life is a whole lot more like Mr. Adat here. One step at a time. But hey, when this guy takes a step, you know it. The whole ground shakes. That'll preach. This Christmas, let's not try to go at light speed. Let's slow down and take it one step at a time. Our big idea, will you put it on the screen, please? The Christmas journey is one of faith, and it must be walked out every single day, not just December 25th. Every single day, one step at a time. One step at a time. Some of those steps are difficult. Some are easy. Sometimes we feel like we're actually going this way, right? That's okay. Just go back. One step at a time. Don't get too down on yourself. Rely on Jesus. Part of that one step at a time, I say it almost every sermon, you've got to get alone with him every day every day. Will you bow your heads?